0: did clay die is clay glitching for
1: you guys oh clay are you alive hey clay are you alive
0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Table, a podcast about a team of folks who love publishing and playing board games, with topics ranging from capstone games news and industry insights to games we're playing and fun we're having. This is episode five, recorded on August 2nd, and the rumors are true, Clay played Nemesis. Hey folks, Tim here.
1: Hey everybody, it's Jillian.
2: Hey guys, glad to be back. It's Josh.
3: Hey guys, it's Clay, and I love, I mean, I like Nemesis, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's struggling. He's struggling. Oh no. (laughs) All right, in today's episode, after a few tales of our latest gaming stories, we'll slide into Capstone Corner for some company news of the day, including some tales of actual container deliveries. It says here I'm supposed to hold for applause. All right. We're also glad to have Josh back this episode as we talk about how each of us was drawn into the hobby, industry, activity, amusement of gaming and board gaming, whatever Clay is gonna want us to call it this episode. Then we'll close this one out with some questions from our Discord server, none of which include pizza toppings or hot sopressata. So with all that said, join Jill and me as we take this discussion beyond the table. Josh, it's great to have you back. Why don't you kick us off?
2: Oh man, it's good to be back. So last weekend, all of us good fun Capstone people got together and played some awesome games. I almost beat Clay at Terra Mystica. He's lucky. lucky. Uh, That game's so freaking good though. I would play that every day. Every stinking day. (laughs) I was
0: wondering how that game turned out. I mean, we we had a pretty rowdy table doing uh, Three Kingdoms Redux at the same time, but I, I wasn't sure how the scores ended up.
2: I ended up one point ahead of Clay, and then Clay was like, oh, hey, here's this tile I forgot to score. That's three <laughs> more points.
4: Uh,
3: yeah, it was the favorite tile with towns placed uh, at the when you pass. It was a good uh, one. <laughs> I got that that round as well. I know,
2: I know, and it just made me so so frustrated. i was so close. Yeah. Uh, but that uh, game's so good. I'm glad we got to play that. I, I'm glad Eric and Jill got to learn that one because it's so good.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, you did a really solid job of teaching that game. It was just a really smooth yep. teach.
2: Yeah, well, we've, we've practiced it enough that like it used to take an hour plus and now we've gotten it slowly faster and faster and more smooth to go through. Especially when you use just the starting factions, it makes it a lot easier because teaching those over and over is like clockwork.
0: So, so then, Jill uh, yeah. Jill, what do you think of that one?
1: I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of depth to it depth to it, obviously, but um games like that, it I'm a very visual learner and like I learn by doing. So about halfway through, I think it was the fourth round, I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand what I'm doing and what I should be doing. So I got into the game a little bit late and i was scoring a lot of points in the last 3 rounds but just got into it a little bit late i ended up in last <laughs> but i had a really good time i've been wanting to play this for a while so it was good to finally get it to the table and josh did a really great teach so i had a good time
0: so which yeah you were that's the I was witches, ask. which which I factions think. were you guys
1: yeah, Eric was the cultist, and I uh, was the witches. And I really liked the power or whatever that I had where I could like just lay a dwelling on a grass tile once around. And Josh helped me out with that. Uh, he's like, you want to get this like early <laughs> on so you can start doing that. <laughs> and then... I finally got the favor tile um, when I finally made a town, um, or no, I did something with a priest. I forget. Uh temples. <laughs> you so built a going temple. Game. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I built a temple, so I got a favor, and it was kind of crucial for me to probably get this in the beginning, where every time I laid a dwelling, I got two or three victory points, I forget. Two. Um, yeah, so it it was probably good for me to get that in the beginning and especially because I get to do that for free uh, once around. So I'm starting to see the strategies that you can start doing and like what you want to do with your power specifically and rotating the power around the bowls and all that. So it was really fun. I had a good time.
3: So the age-old question do you burn your power to spend it quickly so you can cycle through your power? Or do you save your power so you build up this big massive amount of power in your third bowl where you can just start spending it? What's your did you did you have a preference or did is it still kinda like a little bit of both?
1: I think I'm pro spending power.
3: Burning it and turning it.
1: It kinda <laughs> Yeah, it kinda made sense for me to do that, but I don't wanna I don't want to say too much before there's a BGG thread about how I'm
3: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting one right now.
0: I'm, I think I would there agree already. With you. I was gonna say there already is. There already there are already two of them actually.
2: Yeah. Well, I will say <laughs> I the only the only faction that I play that I ever don't burn the power is the alchemists because by the end of the first round I can have all twelve power in the third bowl. Wow. Yeah. That that faction you can do some fun stuff with, so because the building their stronghold gives yeah. you an eight, just a one-time eight power, like boost, and so everything starts moving through the bowls. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's that's clutch.
1: Yeah, I think my favorite thing about playing Taramisca with you, Josh was that you were playing Terramisca on your phone online at the same time.
3: <laughs> he was? I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, with somebody in the same room.
1: <laughs> yes, that's very true. Well, I, uh, Brian was playing TKR, so yeah. it made sense.
2: <laughs> you just hear in the middle of my turn, you'd be like, "Denby, you're up on CM. All right, I'll get to it. <laughs> uh, that was good. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> double games of terra mystica
2: yeah. yeah oh yeah and then what else we played iberian gauge that day too Oh, uh, that was fun except yeah
1: for that was yeah i think that's my favorite out of I- the iron rail series so far i know that's a little bit early after playing it once but i i really enjoyed that like it just really clicked with me Maybe it's because I won, but I don't know. I really liked it. I said it; I I, it was my
4: how favorite before won I game.
1: won. I don't know how either. I think <laughs> I miscounted, so and you guys wouldn't let me. <laughs>
4: you wouldn't no, let me think,
3: out <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, it was like everybody was in within a couple points of everyone. It was a very friendly. That was the friendliest Iberian game I've ever seen, where everybody's kind of helping each company along. Only one or two companies got. The negative share penalty. Hey, I tried. But then mm-hmm. they came back and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They came back, though, at the end, and their values were right there with all the other companies. I tried to
2: screw yeah. you over, but it didn't happen.
3: Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw it coming pretty good.
2: Yeah. so what happens. You didn't let didn't me buy that stock. Build. I mean, it should have been mine.
3: Yeah. it's The flow of money in that game is really interesting, and you start to see when turn order for the companies can affect which companies will have money to build the following round yeah i'm excited for a lot of people to get that
0: right or even have money to build later in the same round yes
2: yeah well yeah i mean the red company was broke going just about going into the last round and it was we were trying to figure out like I think there were three of us in that company and we're just like are we going to even be able to do anything with this because it had seven dollars left and then all of a sudden everybody had to use their trains and they had enough money to just do everything in the last round it was ridiculous
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. let's all hop on board the red train except for clay
1: did we end up getting the five major cities at the end for the red I forget I feel like we didn't Multiple
2: companies did
1: yeah, it was like, it was... No.
2: Red, we could do
1: it. Yeah, yellow, pur- not purple. Purple sucked, and that was the one that <laughs> kind of tanked my money. Was,
3: we cut. were both in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted to touch nope. that. You put the stock no, price No, not too until high. the
1: end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But red, like you mentioned, it was $4. And everybody but clay, I think in that round for some weird reason clay mr stonks over here didn't get the red when he yeah. needed it most. one dollar
2: short
4: <laughs>
3: yeah yeah it's only four bucks man so cheap and then the next round it went up like eight times on the track i was like wow the heck yep. is this even possible Look, you don't
2: ask those kind of questions yeah, it, was cool. <laughs> it just happened
3: yeah <laughs> it yeah. just happened <laughs>
2: So red
1: was the winner amongst us, amongst all the trains. I think it was. It went from nothing to one of the most expensive payouts. And I think Josh and Eric both had two shares in that one, and then I had one. So you guys got a lot of money out of that one.
3: Eric had three. Yeah, Eric got the he last had three of them. Yeah, it
1: was
2: clutch.
3: Yeah.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So I memorized those scores because they were so close to each other. It was I won at five twenty five. Eric had five twenty four. Clay had five twenty two, and Josh had four ninety seven. So
4: that's wild.
1: It was a pretty tight game, and like for a little bit, Josh and I were like comparing monies, and we were just like even like making jokes, like "Oh, I'm like fifteen ahead of you," or "I'm <laughs> fifteen ahead of you this time," and um. I don't know what happened in the payouts. So that makes me feel like I did something wrong and I miscalculated, but I had more shares in other ones than he didn't have or he had in other ones. So maybe that's the difference, but
4: yeah.
3: I don't know how you I ended did it up, right.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah. I just, you did. I cheated. <laughs> I no, like I cheated. you can never. No. <laughs> I didn't see any
2: cheating. I counted yours again and I didn't see any cheating. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'll take your win, one, okay. Yeah.
3: I'll take it all right.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think Eric would take it first.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: oh man. And then what Clay, you got some good games in on Saturday.
3: Yeah, but before Saturday, Friday, oh my gosh, man, we got the con- we'll talk about it in the capstone corner, but just another container and they're always a mystery when they come in. Is it gonna be floor loaded? Is there gonna be stuff everywhere? What's gonna what's it gonna look like when you open those doors? But I was exhausted. And then I drove up to Cleveland, which is about three and a half hours, four hours, because I had to make a stop in Columbus. And anyway, Tim had everything ready to go with Nemesis. Like it was awesome. We just walked in, said, Hey, how you doing? I brought some beer over and just a nice atmosphere to after like a crazy day where uh, Jill and Eric were already there and we just sat down and dove into to Nemesis after, you know, catching up real quick. But got to be honest, that game was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was way, way better than I expected. I might get some flack for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway.
4: No. <laughs>
3: I think Tim knows where it's going. No, no. To me, Nemesis is the game that that Fantasy Flight achieves to make. But this is the best non-Fantasy Flight game out there. It's hands down really smooth all the way through. And it, it is an action movie to a T and it was, it it just hit, hit on all cylinders with me because maybe it was because of my, my mind state where I was exhausted and just wanted to hang out and play some games with some close friends and just a wonderful, wonderful experience that was.
1: You were the Android Eric was the psychologist, Tim was the convict, and I was the CEO. So we all played like expansion characters, which was new for, I think, Tim, Eric, and I. But this was a new game for you overall. So the Android was pretty cool, and I'm jealous that you played it. But (laughs) this, okay. So Josh coined this term. This was the one game where Tim... Did not win. Everybody but Tim won. So yeah, it's a it's double true. win.
0: That's true.
2: It is a yep. double
0: win. Everyone gets yep. Everyone gets double yes. wins. So yeah, Clay, Clay, what you were describing. I mean, this was my ninth, ninth play of that. I was just taking a look. And one of the things I really love about it is every time it's just a little bit different. So this one uh, like the mm-hmm. the last time we played was the first time we really had anyone who successfully left on the um on the pods and this time every single player got off on those things that so you, I mean every again every game yeah. was just a little bit different and of course yeah the convict I mean he he had the convict you know he had to run around, and um, okay. we threw in a couple promos that we hadn't played that I've never played with before. But one of them was crawling, so we were—I uh, was able to crawl from one side of the ship over to where the escape pods were, which just happened to be opened on the previous turn. And uh, I jumped in it before anyone else could even make their way to it, and then tried to, and then <laughs> he took stole off. Eric's pod. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Eric. Eric opened Damn. it, and I'm like, "That's in my head." I'm like, "That's awesome." I'm gonna go through these, you know, the 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 technical corridors. You know, I I gotta draw a card. No big deal. We'll we'll see how that goes. And of course, I draw the one that puts a larva on my board. So I got a face hugger on me, you know, <laughs> while I'm going through the corridor just to get to <laughs> the uh, get to the uh, skate pod. Skate pod. I end up with two, o- only two, two contamination cards in my deck. But I got that larva, which means I got to do that whole shuffle thing and draw four. And of course, the f- number one and number two cards of the four that I drew were the two contamination cards. Uh. Yep.
3: So in other words, Tim's out there in space, <laughs> an escape pod, thinking he got out, stealing Eric's escape pod, and all of a sudden, chestburster. <laughs> oh, dead. Yeah. Dead.
4: I just what realized he deserved. that.
1: Yep. <laughs> Tim's character is the character that you forget about because they escape early and you're like, oh, they're just selfish, like, we didn't see them. He's the convict. And then there's the kind of, like, post credit scene or something <laughs> where everybody gets Flat out safe. Catalog. And you're just sitting there in the pods sleeping and then you wake up and suddenly chest her, and it's, like, <laughs> the... It's, like, the scene... To like open up the next movie like I don't know maybe because you're the convict and you're like ultra buff and strong it's like a super buff alien or something <laughs> or a mixture with the predator I don't know.
2: <laughs> or it could be singing the Michigan J. Frog song <laughs> from uh, Spaceballs.
3: Oh jeez. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a minute. Oh, it's so
2: good. Yeah. Mel Brooks is a genius.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh my goodness.
3: But yeah, Nemesis was really cool. I think, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a strategy game by any means. There's really, to me at least, I mean, I like the feeling when I play a complex strategy game like Terra Mystica where your brain goes through these motions that exercises satisfying and gratifying to me. And I didn't get that same feeling at all with Nemesis. It was a completely different feeling. It just felt like I was... A, an action is going on, this is going to happen, but you are choosing what's going to happen in the game, in the movie. And it really, like when you, th- when, like, as I'm thinking about it right now in my brain, I have such a vivid picture of, a, of like a movie and like it has the beginning of the movie, the climax, the, or the rising action, you know, all those steps along the way. And that's what I like about that is, it was just to me a, a nice movie experience yeah. with everybody.
1: Yeah. I I freaking love that
0: game. <laughs> and that's uh Clay, I I totally agree. I mean, they're that's definitely I would say the, the two games you just talked about they are definitely in different different segments, I guess of the uh of the hobby, but I enjoy both. So yeah. I I know, I know exactly what you what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Clay, how in the world did you get out of that ship again? You were by yourself for what like five turns or something like that.
3: Yeah, all of a sudden, everybody's gone. And I, Well, first of all, when you left, it was hilarious because Tim's like scrounging around, stealing, like taking everything out of the ship. So there's nothing for anybody else left. And I'm still trying to figure out what the hell we're doing in this game, really. And, and aliens are starting to pop up. And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. And Eric's like in a room and he opens an escape pod and then. All of a sudden, it's Tim's turn, and he's like, I'm crawling through the vents. And he goes in and steals the pod from Eric, and, just, and he's like, I'm out of the game, guys. Peace out. Good luck. It's like, really? <laughs> so, but eventually, Jill and Eric team up together. They're all like, let's go to, in an escape pod together. We're going to do it together. Oh, there's an alien? We'll kill it together. And they and do it did. all together.
1: We murdered that alien
3: together yes and then <laughs> so i'm on the ship by myself like okay and i end up i crawled and went to the room to extend my android battery power so i don't die early run out of about yeah. whatever uh breeder one of the worst guys comes out and then i get to the escape pod room and an alien shows up it's like okay cool i have to fight it and just got the worst die rolls Whatever, but the, we learned how powerful the Android is at fighting because when you fight with melee combat, you're punching the alien. So you're going to get contamination. That game is cool because you got to scan each contamination card with this little UV spotlight thing to see if the word infected is on the card. And if it is, you're infected. Otherwise you're not. And it doesn't really affect the Android that much. So you can just continually just fight these aliens. And there was two of them that popped up, and one of them ran away- I think both of them ran away, or one I killed one and one ran away, but then eventually got in the escape pod and left. But my objective was complete, and that's all that matters,
1: <laughs> yeah, and you had a pretty hard objective. you had send a signal and get an intruder egg onto into the hibernation I had to go to the nest or, <laughs> yeah, or the yeah, evacuation pod. pod, and that's yep. That's hard. Like, I cannot believe you did all that. And I will say, as the CEO, I could look at everybody's corporate objectives. And Clay took two corporate objectives. One of them was to kill me. And my corporate (laughs) objective was to kill Clay. So we both didn't trust each other. And (laughs) (laughs) it just was like, it was the craziest thing. And then like, Clay was like hinting that he was like, trying to kill me as a joke. And like, I I took it seriously so to... I, Yeah, I was yeah. like trying to get into the uh escape pod with Eric and we made up a story that the psychologist and the CEO were together and in love. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's why they took the escape pod together. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say earlier that I I love games like this because I get So into them, like even like Gloomhaven, like I was like shaking, like rolling dice and stuff at the end when I was like trying to get into the escape pod. And I remember saying that during it, like I am like physically shaking because I'm nervous about it. Like I don't want any more aliens to show up and my adrenaline's pumping and I'm probably annoying and loud and like just yelling like, oh, oh my God, (laughs) every time like something happens. But I love games like that because You immerse yourself in the story and you get to make up whatever kind of story you want during it. And we were kind of doing that with Clay's whole like fighting scene, Uh, Tim leaving as the convict, Eric and I getting on the evacuation pod together. So I don't know. Josh, you are wrong about Nemesis. It's a great game. And
2: <laughs> nope, <laughs> that's it. i honestly, was gonna say you and I have had very <laughs> different Nemesis experiences.
3: It's it's way too expensive, though. Honestly, like it's okay. what did you say, three <laughs> fifty?
2: My Nemesis experience was my yeah. arm on my face. Like, all right, what am I doing now? Okay, I've got one choice. <laughs> all right, I guess I'll go there. Yes, that was my Nemesis. Experience. Yes, yes. there's
3: no decisions, no yeah. decisions at all.
1: That's, yeah. I get what you're saying because that's kind of like how I felt when we were like playing Oath a little bit. And we'll, we can maybe touch on that later. I don't want to like talk about it too much because I've only played it one time. But I feel like whenever I get into a new game, I'm like, all right, guys, how are we going to do this? And what's the strategy and all that? So maybe you need to give it a couple more chances and then you'll love it as much as us. Just, you just got to free play play it.
2: That's right. Here's the thing. The theme has no attraction for me. I don't like the movies. Uh, I don't have any. I, I love sci-fi. That's not the kind of sci-fi I love. And so it's just for me, like the theme just completely cuts out. And it's just like, I, I can't like connect with this in that same way. Like you're talking about an action movie playing out in your heads. And I'm just like, yeah, this does nothing for me. But then, you know, Terra Mystica, like I this thematically, like that is not as immersive as you're talking about. But I I immerse myself in that mm-hmm. and, you know, Wasteland Express delivery service, which we played a couple weeks ago, like that I can get into. I mean, that's like Mad Max meets FedEx. <laughs> like that you're driving <laughs> across the wasteland <laughs> and like trading guns and water and Like, I can get into that. I should hate that game, but I don't. But, I mean, that's, I just, that theme does nothing for me. And so it's really hard to, like, get as immersed in that when I have just no connection to the theme.
1: That's fair. The theme can make or break a game. So I get that. And so, okay, what type of theme do you think you would want so that you could get into a game that has like the same uh, mechanics as or mechanisms as Nemesis. Like, what would that be for you?
3: Lord of the Rings. I'm going to guess of Lord position. of the Rings for him.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Pre-Disney Star Wars, pre-Disney Star Wars would be big. Like oh, original yeah. Expanded Universe. Okay. That would I would pay. I would have paid every cent that Tim paid for his copy of Nemesis plus a couple hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> I would... He
3: had, to, he had to take out another mortgage, though. So, <laughs> and I would do it. Are you, sh- are you sure <laughs> you yes, want that? If
2: it was pre-Disney Star Wars, yes, I'd pay every penny. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, something based off of, like, William Gibson's early cyberpunk. Um,
4: yeah. and
2: Discworld. I, I really do enjoy Discworld. I've been reading a lot of Discworld lately. I'd play something like that in that kind of fantasy setting.
1: Do you enjoy, have you played Gloomhaven? Have you enjoyed that?
2: Yeah, we, w- some friends of, of ours bought that after we finished Time Stories. There's uh two couples and uh we go on an anniversary trip together because their anniversary is like two days before ours. And so we'll go down to Amish country and just play games for like a three day weekend and, you know, just spend time together and So when we finished Time Stories, we picked up Gloomhaven and we got probably 20, 25 scenarios in and we were really enjoying it. And then the pandemic hit and we just kind of lost that momentum of being able to get together every week and, and play. We had a lot of fun with that, like the character customization. And yeah, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think. Okay. I think I would know. What game to buy you if I had you as a secret Sienna or something? I I think I know you now. I know you from this little conversation that we had.
0: <laughs> Got it all figured out, huh?
2: Oh, I should probably also point out that I have everything from the first series of the Batman miniatures game, which we have played. And it's it's pretty good. We've played that a couple times now and we've enjoyed it.
1: I know nothing
4: about it.
0: Well, that's Clay. I, I had a similar experience with that game that you may, maybe you had with Nemesis. I didn't know what to expect, but my, my hopes weren't very high. And we really, we had a couple of really good uh, sessions of it. I mean, it was a, enough to pull you in. I mean, now again, that's even more of a dice chucker, I'd say than Nemesis is, but. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you, you just point at an area and go roll a bunch of dice and then keep rolling dice, but no, it was, it was a good time for again, for that, uh, that type of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what? What else did you guys play? That was it on that table. Clay, what? Mm -hmm. What did you think of Inish? I think that was your first time playing Inish, wasn't it?
3: That was my favorite game of the. I mean, besides like Nemesis, I really like watching you guys play Rift Force. Nemesis was (laughs) Nemesis to me. Okay, this. I'm gonna go just all out, but it's not a game to me. That's not a game. It's a. It's a. It's, a, it's just a different experience. To me, a game is more strategic. It has to have some strategy elements to it. And I understand this. Anyway, that's my thing on it. The games, the best game i played non-capstone was Inish. And we played Kemet as well. So we got two of the three big Madigo conflict games. Cyclades being the other one we didn't play, which I've played many times before. And it's really good. Uh, Kemet. I don't know, man. I played that like 12 times now. It's been a couple years, and it just doesn't feel as fresh as what it used to be. Maybe it's just getting old. I don't know. But Enish was so good, so fresh. I didn't know what to expect with it, but it's a smart design system. I love the drafting of the cards and how you're playing them and what you're doing. You're moving your units or clans on the board. The card play in that game, Is really wonderful. I'm really glad we got that to the table.
0: Very good. That's and I I was thinking the same thing. I mean, of the three, that's that's definitely my favorite. And and I similarly, that was the. I was just looking it up. That's the sixth time I played Kemet, but the first time in probably it looked like about two and a half years. And I had a similar feeling. I was like, uh, okay, all right. So if I have both of these, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I need, yeah, if I need Kemet. And then also, you know, look, looking at you a little bit, Cyclades. Yeah, and, and Inish just seems to be that. Uh, it, it just fits that. And now again, they are not the same games. I mean, they, there are definitely differences, but uh, yeah. there are a, a lot of similar feels playing them. The Inner system, I felt, was uh, very similar to what you were just talking about. It's a smart, compact system. Right, exactly. It, it compacts the right word. I mean, it's it's such a a, a similar or a, a familiar process for figuring out what you're going to uh, have to uh, for actions, and then actually playing them out, uh, and then getting into conflicts and potentially spending your actions to avoid losing people. Because I mean, it's all a trade. <laughs> so, no, it was a uh, it, it was a good yeah. time. I mean, it was, uh, it, but it was one of those where we had one person who kind of took off a little bit and it was a little bit hard to catch up. Even when a couple of us tried to try to pull Brian back down, it was like, he was already so far ahead and I seriously, we only had a couple rounds. So, uh, yeah, it was yeah. two rounds or three rounds. Yeah.
3: That's my fault. Honestly. Cause I was the, the main Bren, which is the, there's a card where when you explore and expand the territory, you get to choose where that tile goes. and, Brian, by that time, had like six clans on one location next to mine. And I was thinking expanding out to another area with my clan and placed it right there with him. And that that really kind of skyrocketed him. Like you said, Tim, I think if I was playing better, I would have moved that tile a little bit further away from him.
0: No, no, no. And, And that's part of the whole, I mean, first game type thing but uh but even that Mm -hmm. uh that was a game i mean we got done in just over an hour i think yeah and even with that there were a lot of neat interesting decisions and pushes and pulls and ganging up on people and and pulling back and trying to protect your own um i mean there's a a lot of neat stuff in a little compact uh package
3: i'll be honest i was ready to go again yeah (laughs) at the end of that one it was is it addicting, it's addicting. Yeah, no, it was good. What'd you think, Tim? Like, what, uh, what games? What, what did you get to play? Only with?
0: other ones. Uh, so you were just talking about Rift Force. Got to see that. Yeah. Two of us took one side and kind of just um, you know w- wanted to see how it how it played, and then played against uh, someone else again just to see how the mechanisms work. I can't wait for that one to come out. I really can't. I want to get my hands on on that. That was a that was a neat uh, you know PvP just battling uh, a system. That again was very accessible. It's when I know I'm gonna be able to play with uh, with my kids. I know Kelly's gonna be interested in something like that. It had some, you know, s- some of the same feelings of Ashes, which I played earlier in the day. I mean, n- not nearly as complicated, I would say, at-, at least from the one game I saw.
3: Yeah, it's nowhere near as complicated. Yeah.
0: And that's I'm really looking forward to uh, to be able to uh, get some more games of that. And then the other one, so yeah, pl- Played Some Ashes. Oh, I still love that game every time we pull the cards out. That's good. Every time we pull the cards and dice out, that's a fun one. For the first time in a while, I had I resigned. It got to the point I was. I looked at it, I was like, there's no way. I ended up going through my deck so fast. Um. And he still had a, a bunch of, of uh, life left on his uh, Phoenix born. So I was like, nope, that's not happening. So <laughs> we ended up quitting that and, and moving over to... Uh, The fastest game of Three Kingdoms Redux I've ever played.
3: (laughs) How fast?
0: It was an hour and 33 minutes. What? (laughs) Wow. And that's with setup and teardown. (laughs) It was moving pretty good.
3: How many rounds did you get to? And what was the end game?
0: I think it was seven. And uh, no, actually, it was six. It was six rounds. And... That's so fast. And I finished it with... uh, And we were pushing. We were pushing each other because the three of us who were playing have played it now quite a bit.
3: Did you win by
0: emperor or territories? So I I did the end game game condition. I did it through the domestic development. So doing the marketplaces and the uh, farms. Turning the fields into farms. Oh. And... That's the first time I'd ever done that, and uh, I was basically getting two of those. I was getting both of them every round, and I had one of the generals uh, on the. um, I was way no, I was woo, and uh, I had a general who, if I won one of them, I could actually win the other one.
2: You were not woo, Brian was woo. Oh,
0: I was was the blue team, the powerful one out of the game. So it made it very uh, very versatile to head down that path. So yeah, I just I just totally rushed that and then uh, stationed someone super early, and he was a guy that allowed me to uh, to uh, make a, uh, a one of the constructions or the structures every round. So it, it ended up really just opening up and, and being pretty uh, a pretty smooth uh, smooth play. So that's uh, at that point I just tried to rush it. Let's see, scores were low. But, of course, when you when you rush it like that, that's kind of what I was hoping to do. So, yeah, I, I won just with 30 points. So, yeah, that's pretty low for, for that game. But, yeah, no, it was, it was a great time. We really enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it. I want to experience the power of the Tim. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of belly aching near the <laughs> end. <laughs> I know. Everybody
3: was pissed off. I mean, like, in a yeah. good way. But they're just like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it was hilarious.
0: <laughs> see now those are the t- can't ever beat Tim at that game those are the types of games i like where you you know you you have some choice at the beginning but some of it's i mean you you definitely have some uh restrictions and you you got to figure out how to do the best with with what you got now again again you you get some choice but for the most part i mean you out of what is it uh 23 generals each you draw six Mm-hmm. And with and with yep. uh, who I had, you get to draw. You know, you get to keep four of those six. So that's a very different game every time because you're just not drawing the same people. Yeah, solid game
3: there.
1: Mm-hmm. We bought that game because of you. So <laughs> I'm expecting a full teach, absolutely uh, playthrough. Jill, when
3: you guys move, when you move yeah. down here, you, me, and Eric are going to become TKR masters and. Maybe you two could go face Tim. We
1: will beat Tim. This is. You this won't is, beat him. Yeah. We've tried. This is an anime in the making.
3: Yes, Eric it and is. I against Tim. Attack on Tim.
2: We've tried the whole teaming up against Tim thing. It doesn't work. Like, doesn't matter how much you try. Like, you both get together and you're like, all right, we're just going to yeah. do whatever we can to defeat Tim. It still doesn't work.
1: Okay, this is literally the perfect segue into Oath because I'm so mad that you guys didn't want to play Oath with us. Um, because Tim could have played the Chancellor and we could have all played the Exiles to team up against Tim.
0: Oh! And, and
1: we could have done it. Oh, no,
0: now who's the who was it? The Chancellor? Yes.
1: Yeah, so there's different characters you get to play. There's only one Chancellor. But there's a mixture of exiles. And basically what the exiles are trying to do, they all, they're they all wanting to overthrow the chancellor, but they're all wanting to do it on their own. So you have your own goals, but you can definitely work with other people amongst the exiles to overthrow the chancellor and become the uh, usurper. Because if somebody becomes the chancellor for the next round they can offer citizenship to other exiles and help them become the successor to the chancellor and each game is built on the last game that you played so we could have definitely had a game where we all gang up on Tim as the chancellor and just beat him <laughs> we could have we could have all beat Tim all of us
0: <laughs> again like a I Nemesis. was going to say, kind of like Nemesis. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. Nemesis wasn't enough.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing, Tim. You would have liked the oath because the, the ending condition was very inish like. You have to get this condition, the oath keeper, and if you start the round with it, so you have to get it one round, it has to make it all the way around to you. Then it flips to the usurper side. Then you have to keep it for another round, and then the game ends. So it's like, you have to essentially announce very much in like Inish, where you have to like say, Oh, I'm gonna take this token and say I'm gonna win yep. next turn. You you in the same way, you take the tile and then as if you have it, it flips automatically and then you have one round to hold on to whatever you're holding on to.
0: Oh wow, okay.
4: hmm
1: Oath is a very good game. I was frustrated because I didn't understand certain parts of it, and that's where I didn't like it because of personal things it doesn't have anything to do with the game like i just like couldn't get certain parts and like i didn't know exactly what to do and i think that's how i felt with like pax premiere the first time too i was like oh my god there's so many different strategies i don't know what to do and there's so many different cards i don't know what to do and this is definitely one of those games where once you play it a couple of times you're gonna Uh, know a strategy and know what to do and how to do it and how to execute it so yeah i'm i'm sad that you guys didn't get to play it because i think you guys would have honestly loved it josh how did you feel about it
2: i felt very confused
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a confusing game there's a lot of different there's a lot of different moving parts and i'm sure like a rule book for that game is extremely hard so i'm not i'm not going to judge or, or anything. So it it, yeah. it just was like the combat and or campaigning against certain people was a very confusing mechanism, but I think once we get it down, it'll be really fun. We just have to figure out like the little um I guess niches or nuances of campaigning against certain people, which is essentially like battling. We'll figure it out, but it's a really fun game. I think there's a lot of potential there once we play it a couple more times
0: well that's the way you guys were describing it that uh before you mentioned it that's actually where where i was leaning it was it sounded like a pax you know a game right out of the pack series Mm -hmm. uh it sounds sounds a little bit like you may have had uh, a similar experience to clay had when he was playing pax renaissance where the game the game was going on (laughs)
1: yeah
0: (laughs) i'm just looking at clay's face (laughs) yeah
1: I feel bad because I I was, like, not in a good mood because I had a migraine at the time and Josh was, (laughs) I I feel like Josh was seeing me lash out because I was like, how did you get 28 defense points, Josh? I can't believe you defended 28 against our 11 attack. (laughs) I feel bad, so I apologize,
4: Josh, if it was me because of that.
3: No, you're fine. <laughs> is that why you're like mean Palomo? Is that your name on <laughs> Discord?
1: Did you say mean Palomo?
3: I did. You know what you said? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's
4: pomelo, which is,
1: oh. which is a type of citrus fruit. It's very good. I um, mm. recommend it. But I'm not mean pomelo because I'm mean. But I don't know. I feel like I was frustrated with the game. And so I was like, there's no way Josh could have gotten 28 (laughs) defense points against us. And he totally did. But I just didn't want to admit it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it sounds like you're gravitating towards it, though. Like you want to kind of figure out what's going on and and discover those strategies and stuff. So that sounds promising.
1: It's a good game. I can tell it is. I just need to understand it more, and that's my bias towards it, is that I didn't understand it at first. So I just need to take a deeper dive into it, and it's it's totally on me why I don't like it. It's it's going to be a great game once we get into it a little bit more.
0: And that's w- what you're talking about is the blessing and the curse that comes with opaque games. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 worst thing about them is you can't you don't get them at first. The best thing about them is you don't get them at first. Yeah, you know, that's that's what draws you in and makes you come back. So, mm-hmm. you know, just like Nemesis, right? Right, Clay? No, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that is that is like completely I know. the opposite I know. end of the spectrum. I know.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of rules. I mean, it's it's really complex, but I mean, it's not uh, d- definitely not that uh, the 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 opaque uh, nature of a uh, of a BIOS or a uh, PAX game. No, I totally agree. Were there any other uh, any other titles you guys wanted to talk about? Oh, I made I made
3: Clay play Homeworlds. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Josh made me play Homeworlds. He pulls it out. It's like then this tin with triangles and four colors and different sized triangles and
0: four X game. I'm like <laughs> talking about <laughs> opaque abstracts. <laughs> that's that's exact ultimate
3: <laughs> opaque. My brain was. <laughs> how jill mentioned when she was done she was like i'm done i'm fried <laughs> i was there at that time and um josh was like it's you know it's really straightforward you know you're just gonna explore expand and, you know all the all the x's and like, <laughs> ah so, uh, it's hard to see for me because it was so abstract but there's some cool stuff in there and i get it i i, I don't get the game yet but i understand where it's going and It was just nice to see Josh's excitement because I know when he gets excited about a game, it's it's going to be really entertaining, a lot of fun. So appreciate that, and it was a lot of fun, Josh.
2: It's a lot of game packed into a very small amount of pieces.
3: Probably the most game with the yeah, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, that's that's all I had for that. I mean, that was a great weekend. It was it was so fun to get together with everybody and just reconnect before mm-hmm. all these conventions come out and enjoy the summer together that was that was awesome we definitely need to do that again and mm-hmm. and make it more frequent
4: yeah
1: yeah I, it makes me excited for conventions and i think you guys will really like our friend ryan that is helping volunteer at gen con because he really likes the same he has the same taste as eric and i and same sense of humor so I think you guys will get along with him, so I'm excited to have that during Gen Con and Origins and all that. It's it's exciting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very good. No, I'm looking looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm excited.
1: All right. So Let's go on and head on over to the capstone corner and see what's new with all these shipping delays and whatnot, what new releases we have going on. So, Clay, why don't you... I feel like you have a better handle on what's coming in and all that stuff, so I'm going to let you take the reins on this.
3: Yeah, so we... Last Friday, we got Pipeline and Rorschach into the U.S. I'm I'm just going to speak U.S. here because we do have four locations around the world where we store product, and now U.S. is typically the last of the four locations to get stock, either the U.S. or Europe, which pretty much is the same time frame, so just take that knowledge here. We just got uh, Pipeline and Rorschach in, so those will be going out, and uh, Juicy Fruits came in a couple weeks ago, Coffee Traders and Curious Cargo came in. And I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, Iberian Gage just came in as well. So we're wrapping up pre-orders as we speak and really getting ready for all of our summer releases that are coming out. We've got a lot on the water, as does everybody else in the entire world. The shipping delays are still here. We actually just paid. I just want to get this on record because I've never seen this. The third printing of New York Zoo has been booked and is on. A, has a sailing schedule in a couple weeks. With a $20,000 bill coming to me, so wonderful. That's but uh, we need that product in ASAP.
0: That's nuts.
3: But uh, everything's, yeah, I, I love our freight forwarder. Uh, Chris does a wonderful job, and he really knows how to pull things through and, and make them come in. I mean, we've got Iberian Gage shipped on July, June 1st, and we got it middle of July, which is pre-COVID delivery time frame. I mean six weeks. So that was incredible. I mean, and, and we're doing that with a lot of our shipments right now. So um, yeah, the price is going up, but we're getting product, and that's the most important thing to me, is getting product so that you can have our games that you've pre ordered or purchased at a at a game store. So it's important to me and really appreciate everybody out there hanging out and uh, just understanding the uh, situation that this entire global market is in. I don't see it getting better until march 2022 is what i'm projecting but you know what do i know we'll see how it goes but we're we're rocking and rolling guys and it's exciting right now really really fun times at the the warehouse really a lot of energy so it's good
1: i think post chinese new year is when it uh or lunar new year is when it's um going to be better because i know that september is a really busy month for shipping in general and that's literally next month a lot of people are preparing for holidays so it might get a little bit crazy with people who don't have games on the water or stuff so all i can say is thank you to everybody who has been patient with us as we try to navigate this and please be patient with other publishers as well because patience is a virtue and it's always great when you guys show Um, empathy towards us. So thank you. We really appreciate everything. So, yeah.
3: One thing I do want to mention before we go is the summer releases are pretty much wrapping up now and we're going to be moving into our holiday releases. Our big four is what we're going to call it. We just announced Boone Lake, the next big complex game from Alexander Pfister. Very excited about that. That's in partnership with DLP Games in Germany. Uh, Maracaibo, the Uprising expansion it's going to be a lot of fun. That's a big, big box expansion. And Imperial Steam was announced as well. Really excited about that two-player experience for a train game that's never been done really before. So, yeah. And then we got two more titles coming out as well. We'll um, see those probably around when this podcast drops. Yep. But, yeah, we're really excited for everything that's coming out.
1: Yeah. It feels illegal talking about Boon Lake and Maracaibo Uprising right now because we're announcing this literally tomorrow. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm feel... not allowed to say them. <laughs> I can't say their name. I'm gonna those words are forbidden. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff coming and more in line with the traditional capstone brand, the big crunchy titles that you're used to. So we're excited for that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really freaking pumped about all of them like
3: I know which one movies. you were, you wanted to say it so bad I know I don't know if I we're really going to am... announce that when this comes
0: out so yeah. I even know that one <laughs> <laughs> I know which one you guys yes. are
4: talking
1: yes. about I sh- yes I was about to say it and so I just was said all of them
4: <laughs> <laughs> which
1: I am oh, excited my... for all of them but this one specific oh you guys are going to love I don't know
3: it's the j- we're going to have to have a fun office party where we pick which one is going to be the best received or something, like which one everybody's going to go bananas over.
0: There you go. Yeah.
3: Maybe it'll be all of them, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it could be, could be uh, um, 2019 yeah. all over again.
3: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, it's really shaping up to it be sounds like that. Like it. It's pretty yeah.
1: cool. It's a good year. It's exciting. <laughs> I love making these announcements. <laughs> And I love toying with all your emotions, too, in the Discord, being the hype woman.
0: I've been following the Discord, and you're, uh, you're playing it up uh, perfectly. I, I love to watch it and, and see people playing into your, into your games.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, okay, so I do want to say this before people get real angry at us. Clay, you mentioned something about socks. Uh, train socks at some point and i just want to make sure that uh you're still thinking about those at least just thinking about them nothing else nothing yeah, maybe nothing
3: more. yeah i mean i see the i see it in there but yeah during
0: one of the i don't know no. during one of the <laughs> podcast play you you like had an epiphany and went oh i have an idea i have I've an idea okay I, right. I know what the
3: idea is i it's still there yeah yeah <laughs> i haven't moved on it but it's still there
1: I think we have to get a little bit less busy to do this, and post holiday might be the perfect time. I just don't see it it.
3: happening in the near future with all the stuff we got to (laughs) do. That's true. I'm looking at a mountain in front of us that we got to go tunnel through in order to get to the other side. So,
1: yeah, I I don't want to toy with their emotions too much. So, (laughs) Nick, Nick's the Nick's the socks convo for now. I'm sorry, Discord server. Don't hate me.
3: <laughs> Instead of stonks. I, well, I can't do it with socks. <laughs> stonk, stonk. <laughs> All right. But that's what's going on at Capstone. <laughs>
0: Okay, so let let's head over to our main topic. Uh for this uh this episode, the uh that, that topic is which genre or game introduced you to the hobby? So with that uh Jillian, you want to uh start us off.
1: Sure. So, it's kind of weird having a brother who started a board game company and saying that I was introduced to the hobby in a certain way considering I think and like it was like like my senior year of high school was when he introduced Catan to us, which I like, but it didn't like really click for me. And then like whenever I would see Clay through my internships with college and all that stuff, um, he would bring games to our holidays
3: and they would never get played, sadly. <laughs> they wouldn't and
1: I would feel bad. But <laughs> but we played uh, Camel Up and we have a joke with our family about Alex Baldwin, the camel that that won.
3: It's Alex Baldwin <laughs> the <laughs> Oh, Alec Baldwin! Not Alex Baldwin. Oops. But yeah. just randomly Alec... like this. Why is Alec Baldwin in last? Like, <laughs> so that's
1: yeah. But Alec Baldwin, the camel, ended up winning. So that's all that matters. Oh, that <laughs> it won hilarious. me the game. Oh, my um, but it wasn't until I think uh, 2019 when I was on my last internship which i didn't do an internship for my last co-op experience i did like kind of a work study type of thing and i was staying with clay working uh at the warehouse in dayton at the time just helping him fulfill orders and i think the orders i was fulfilling was like bus and irish gauge maybe at the time i don't remember and i would stay with him and my sister-in-law Ashley, and he pulled out Concordia, and I was like, "All right, I, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll play this game." And then we played it, and <laughs> I loved it so much. And, uh, I remember every single time we would come over, or I would come over, I'd be like, "You want to play Concordia?" And he like brought out the <laughs> expansions, and then like he like showed me this whole world that I didn't even know about. Like we played. not saying that like cryptid is like a super like strategy game but we like played cryptid we played high society we played a ton of games that whole fall of 2019 when i was staying with you guys a ton and that kind of like opened up my whole world but i have to attribute concordia to introducing me to this hobby because it just clicked with me and then i looked into spirit island i bought spirit island for eric for christmas we ended up playing pipeline it just like really sprung this whole interest into the hobby and it's developed so much since then so thank you clay for introducing me to the wonderful world of board gaming through concordia
3: (laughs) yeah i like that it was concordia a little sad about catan (laughs) a little little sad but no it's all good
0: concordia got a little catan tear for you but but Concordia, no, that's that's solid. That that's a, I mean, that was a solid game then. It's a solid game now. The box art's horrendous, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's a it it definitely <laughs> has a space in, in collections.
1: I I've been trying to introduce uh, my friends to the hobby through it, and surprisingly enough, Concordia wasn't the game that clicked for them. Weirdly, the game that has clicked for them was either Irish Gauge or Ride the Rails. So I'm like, I'm sad. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I'll introduce them to the hobby through like a train game and they're not interested in trains. So they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But then they play the game and they're like, oh, my God, I'm literally addicted to this game. And our friend literally stole our game uh, or our copy of Ride the Rails from us. So (laughs) when Ride the Rails came in to get to deliver to the warehouse, I was like, well, I'm stealing from the warehouse. I'm gonna take this right-the-rails copy because our friends stole our paid-for copy at the time. So it's like,
3: ladies and gentlemen, did you hear that? Jillian Ross just stole from the Capstone Warehouse. Please call your local authorities and report her. Thank you.
0: It's official embezzlement complaint.
2: (laughs) I knew it. I knew it was too good to be true.
1: (laughs) I know. I let the Discord know about the ding-and-dented copy of Coffee Traders, and now my secret's out, so whatever am I going to do?
2: <laughs> Probably wasn't even dented.
1: But yeah, Concordia.
0: <laughs> yep. No, that's, a good, that's a good one. <laughs> Josh, how about you? Where did you start?
2: Well, I grew up in a house where we played a lot of cards, and you know we had all the basics. We had uh, Monopolies and the Saris and the Phase Tens and all of that, but... Right after high school at a New Year's party, I was introduced to Munchkin. And then like a year later, a couple of friends of mine and I were really bored. And so we just went out to a local comic book store and found this game that I had played one time and barely even remembered. And then for the next two and a half years, every Friday night at my apartment, we had anywhere from five to ten people over playing Munchkin. Like we bought every set, we had every expansion, we were blending these sets together, like three hour games that we were just going on and on. And it was so much fun. And I have so many great memories of the things that we were doing in my tiny one bedroom apartment where we had the windows open in the middle of January because there were so many people in this place. Just hang out and play this <laughs> stupid game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've sold most of my munchkin <laughs> stuff now, but for nostalgia's sake, I still have a couple sets. And, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it got me
0: in. Josh, I got to stop you. That's a lot of Munchkin.
2: <laughs> Trust
0: me, it was a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Clay, is that, is that a game you've, you've played?
3: I actually bought that, um, the second year of Capstone, just to see, like, what the – because we go to conventions, you see Munchkin. Everywhere. Like this, I mean, and you go to distribution, and it's, like, a major seller there. They, they lean on that a lot, and I'm like, I don't – okay, what is this game? Like what's 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 the catch here? Like, why? Why is this game so cool? And you, I read the rules. It's like, okay, all right. That's enough <laughs> for me right there. I, <laughs> you know, I just – it's like I can't – I don't want to get in this track. It's just the yeah. I don't this know. This was also
2: 2006. Yeah. Guys.
3: So yeah, right. I know <laughs> this is the entry. It's no no judgment here, because <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't
1: know. Any is better this Steve guys. Jackson games?
3: I know. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah,
3: Steve Jackson. Yeah, they have a ton of different.
2: Yeah. Every theme riffs you can imagine. On it. But essentially, you know, in a role playing yeah. game. If you screw over the party to make yourself more awesome, you're a munchkin. So the theme of the game is that you're all in a party together, but you're stabbing each other in the back to get the best loot.
3: And It's hard okay. to win.
1: That sounds fun. I see it at Barnes and Noble all the time. I just didn't know anything about it, but you might have to look into it.
2: It's really light, like really light. But yeah. okay. We, we had some good fun with it back in the day. What I didn't know any better.
0: No, that's that's cool. I could tell
2: you <laughs> stories.
1: I love that's that. Awesome. I, there's a fun like tweet going around. Like, what is one event that changed one trajectory of your life? And for the you that's stumbling into a comic shop, comic book shop, right, and finding much Munchkin, and now here you are with us on this podcast. Yep. However, many years later, talking about it,
3: <laughs> Munchkin.
2: <laughs>
3: yep. What was it? Yeah. Okay, so you played that. A t- you said you played it for like two and a half years. Like, what? What made you change? Or like, what did you? What did you jump to? Just curious. Well,
2: so I lost the group that I was playing with just because I had to move, and so that kind of fell out, and so. When I would drive back to North Canton from where I was living at the time, it would only be two or three of us. Not really a great group for playing a game like that. So a friend of mine uh, named Matthew, one night it was late and we'd been hanging out, having done some Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, he's like, hey, let me show you this game. And so he brought out uh, Dominion. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So we played that and then we played Carcassonne. And then after that,
3: it just. Solid. Dogecoin the to the moon. Effect. Yeah, Dogecoin to the moon. <laughs> no. and now. Oh we God. did that. We said that at the game day. I forget <laughs> for what. Oh, that was the Iberian yeah. game. <laughs>
2: yeah. But now, you know. Yeah,
1: red, one of the, trains red to the train moon. to the moon.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Dominion is. Yeah, that's a good spin off of. I'm not spin off, but that's a good transition from Munchkin. Yep. Dominion. They, that's solid. Now I've
2: owned either have or have owned at least 600 different titles and expansions. So, you know, it went from very little to a lot.
0: Nice. Yeah. Tim, what about you, man? Oh, for me, no, this is going way back. Um, first time I really remember uh, getting into gaming of some kind was, was Red right Run Kindergarten. And I remember playing poker and chess with my dad and brother chess i i actually took a, a pretty strong liking to played that all through grade school quite a bit uh both um just with friends and around you know with and and family and also actually even got into it at school a little bit of course you know it, other lighter mass market games shoots and ladders and life with mom so i'm playing chess with dad i'm playing shoots and ladders with mom then eventually that became risk stratego scrabble uh, you know other other mass market type games. Until probably the Stratego's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that's uh, and again, that was a a good game for that time and for that that environment. So uh, no, we we really liked uh, basically all the games we were playing. At that point, though, well, no, a little bit later. Uh, let's see, early early eighties or yeah, early eighties through the early nineties. So about a decade. I was I spun off into RPGs and was uh
3: Jill, you were like twelve by then, right? Uh when was it? It was probably early eighties.
0: I was I was Let's I was I was I was eight, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, like like eight. I'm like just eight, teasing eight. 10. I don't think no, I was no, even
1: no. thought of. I don't even think that yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I gotcha. No, I was I was like between eight and ten when when we started getting into that. But yes, that was back when uh, an eight was in the year digit there. But yeah, no, it, it was when uh, TSR was was pretty hot. So uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, first and second edition. I remember when second edition came out of that. I mean, it was a it was a big, big thing. D and D the the red box, which was followed by blue, teal, black. I had all those box sets. Uh, Star Frontiers nice. which was a TSR game which was like a a um sci-fi version of the of the red box i would say actually that was my first um you know chit and map game that i i, I remember you know us playing playing quite a bit now, again, at that time in that age, we weren't necessarily, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do air quotes here. We weren't really playing the game so much as we were playing with the game, but you know, we, we had, had all Mm -hmm. the pieces out, had all the components and we were just, we were just messing around. Top secret was a game. Uh, I I believe that was TSR. It was kind of a, uh, as you would, it was like a James Bond espionage role-playing game. And then, uh, and then paranoia, which was a, and I think that still has a decent following. Oh, paranoia! Um, yeah, where it's it's a, really uh,
2: good. That's why
0: it's a it's a dystopian situation where the characters are basically kept done in there. I think he had six lives, or like six clones of your character, and uh, and that was yep. something you needed to you needed to you manage your a six, six lives. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, for about a decade, I was doing role-playing game type stuff.
2: That game is just so good because, like, it's mundane things you have to do, like, go turn off a switch, and then you die four times on your way to turn off a switch, <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was total, like, Big Brother, 1984. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that Yeah, it, it was, it, it was neat.
4: Yeah. If-
0: yeah, book's good too. If you got yeah. too
2: smart, your yeah. the computer that controlled everything would just kill you. Like, yeah. Oh, you oh, know too cool. much. Yes, you're dead. Your next clone's yeah, you, here and doesn't know as much. <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you had to be careful to yeah. not show your smarts. Yeah, it was uh, it was that that part yeah. was <laughs> really interesting. And those huh. those were all that's really cool. Yeah, it was. It, and, and again, that was neat. That was going through you know middle school and and uh, in, in early high school. Uh, another. Whole set of RPGs was um, Palladium, which was a um, uh, basically all written by uh, written or curated by by one guy. But there were uh, even at that time they had a superhero one called Heroes Unlimited. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was that that was the first place that I had had ever seen that. I think it started out there and then spun off into everything that you see now in the multiple movies and. Uh, in um cartoons wow. and all that stuff uh Recon which was a a um, Vietnam War uh setting for an RPG and then um, there were uh, they have a pretty extensive library for Robotech all the way through that uh, that mm. multiple series you know uh, epic I guess now um I was never mm-hmm. into the the anime side of that nearly as much as the as the gaming side but
1: uh Eric loves that anime oh really yes that's he loves that's cool um animes like that which is funny that you're talking about now
0: and that was one of the things that was a Situation where the game kind of drew me into the the setting and the and the overall story, uh, rather than the other other direction. And then the last one from there from them was boy, it was late eighties, early nineties was um, a game called Rifts, which has kind of become a pretty big um, pretty big game for them from an RPG standpoint. But yeah, so lots of lots of hours, lots of years. Uh, spent uh, spent in the uh, role playing game uh, sphere, I guess. Then spent a spent mm-hmm. a few
3: years. Did you play? So you're playing with your mom and dad, pretty much, as a kid. What was it? Just like local buddies that jumped in the RPGs. Yes.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, well, actually, so I'm just
3: I'm just curious because I'm just cause like when we drive to Pax Unplugged in Philly, we always talk about like experiences and stuff and i've got this like bullet point list of where you trajectory was in the hobby and to hear the details is really cool so just closing all the loops on my side here. <laughs> yeah
0: no, no 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 thanks for asking uh so uh yeah the the jump to rpgs came so my brother was uh about three and a half years older than me and he had some buddies over and one of them had a uh an uh, advanced dungeon dragons book first edition and then that's kind of where that started i mean there, i remember i'm um, hanging out in what you know what one, one half of the basement and me kind of sneaking down there just to figure out what was going on seeing all these dice on the uh on the table and hearing all kinds of cool stories and uh yeah it just really yeah. drew me in and i just kept you know Uh, sucking it up kind of like you know just every you know from a board gaming standpoint every every game that came out just had a little bit of a a twist on something that i liked previously so yeah it it just ended up growing and growing Mm.
1: i remember talking to you when we were playing nemesis at our apartment about the beginning of the internet.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the first thing I <laughs> and searched. We were
1: all talking about our <laughs> Yeah. And we were all talking about our first experiences with the internet. And Tim said that his first search on the internet was Magic the Gathering. Yes it was. Or Magic the Gathering cards. Yep. But I'll let you talk about it.
0: No, that that was exactly it. Um Right when it was getting, you know, uh, I guess more more folks doing it and a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, I remember sitting in a physics class and uh, looking up Magic: The Gathering. Let's see, that would have been revised. So, uh, boy, early early nineties, mid mid nineties, probably mid nineties. Yeah, I remember. I remember the exact card, the first card I looked up, which was Vesuvian Doppelganger. I have no idea why, but I remember. Rem- remember that that was the first thing I did, and that was that wasn't the internet. That was the World Wide Web on Mosaic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Old
3: school, love it. You just
1: hear that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yep, Okay.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that I mean that's but that's yeah. going back into gaming and yeah, I've got another what couple decades in there bouncing in between uh miniatures gaming Warhammer forty thousand I was in and out of that three times in oh, let's see, three and a half decades. That's when I started when the original Rogue Trader book came out, which is the first edition. Actually I just sold that book. It was in basically perfect condition to someone who really wanted it from a collector standpoint. What was the sell price? It Was like 120 for a That's for a good, for a paper book <laughs> or paperback book. <laughs> wow! But I kept it in really good shape, nice. and it was one of those things. So, um, but yeah, for for being being oh. young and broke, I was kind of pretty big into that. Got a got a lot of minis in the um, uh, Space Marines uh, faction early on. Got into Space Hulk. That was like you know one of their first big box games uh, that that I messed around with with Games Workshop. Then Magic Gathering last couple years there, basically disappeared, um, uh, and that was uh, basically right out of right out of high school, uh, or early college I think years, so mid mid nineties. Then uh, like I was saying in and out of uh, 40k a couple times once in third edition and then uh, once again in fifth edition. The fifth edition was kind of neat. It was um, so late 2000s, early early 2010s and I found a, a very solid group in the middle of rural New Hampshire. So I'd moved there for work. We were there for about three, three and a half years. and um, I don't know how, but I ended up with like basically being 90 minutes from anything and uh, we were five minutes from one of the most competitive worm or 40,000 groups in two states. So basically, like all the the super solid players within New Hampshire and Vermont were all right in that area and went to this one uh, this one little shop that was uh, just like five minutes from from where we were living.
3: That's what happens when it snows, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, New exactly. Hampshire. Right. Just play War and, Warhammer and Forty another, K,
0: and and that's that's what they did. I mean, that's there was a group of oh boys. I think it was about six eight guys and, and two women who was uh, who were joining and um i mean they were into it they were into the tournament scene they were driving you know a, a couple states away to play in uh, competitive tournaments so uh, and they were they were good they were real good so yeah that that took us uh, took me to uh, december 2012 which actually was uh, uh the family we were moving to ohio uh, back to ohio actually for the second time over christmas break so we had to spend a uh Spent an extended uh, time, a little over six and a half weeks, with six of us and a dog in a hotel room. <laughs> so I figured uh, I'd. Oh I'd, God! Um, you know, I jumped on Amazon. It was actually one some of the first stuff that I purchased on Amazon and uh, that weren't books. And uh, bought a bought a couple games, two of them. Bought Ticket to Ride and Dominion. And then um, had them for the Christmas break while, you know, basically the rest of our lives were all packed up. That was a, Those were a couple things that we, we had to, to mess around with. And after playing those back to, on back-to-back days, uh, my wife and I visited a, uh, a hobby shop near my parents and bought a lot of the common staples. I mean, I, I know we came home with Pandemic. Power Grid, Apples to Apples, Munchkin. We had our own lovely copy of Munchkin, and I know at least two <laughs> expansions. So, uh, so yeah. It's, uh, ever since then, so d- I would say the, the getting back into the Renaissance of uh, of board gaming probably around that December 2012 standpoint, and then yeah, it's been a, a pretty upward trajectory since then. Right now, I mean, and, and now we're talking about Nemesis, and I'm looking at this Chronicles of Dronagor, Clay, have you looked up? Have you been looking? No. Following this Chronicles no. game? No. Oh, you need to look it We're up. Not doing man. that. Not touching that. You have you, you have far too many hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Don't do in it, your Clay. You'll account. get sucked in.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness, man! We need to talk after this. We got to talk to the audience about your trajectory from 2012 to 2021 because it's a pretty interesting ride, and I. I I like to live vicariously especially through Tim because of your experiences that you've had and with the different types of genres out there in this in this hobby of ours. So, yeah, that's a that's a fun story too.
0: Sure, sure, sure. How about you, Clay?
3: Yeah, so um I've always loved games like Monopoly was my favorite when I was a kid. Um I remember playing that for the first time at a friend's house and uh we didn't have too much money growing up and We were raised on, you know, you got to work hard for your money, and so just doing chores and stuff around the house, you get a couple bucks, you know, for the weekend and whatever. But when I played Monopoly at my friend's house, we played a a computer version, and I don't know why it was so gratifying to me to you have fifteen hundred dollars cash, and it's up to you how you want to spend it. You can buy properties, and then when somebody visits your property, they pay you money. And then you can upgrade it with houses and hotels. That was so fascinating to me. And just really kind of got into into that financial aspect of the gameplay and just really wanted like all the different types of monopolies. And I I only have one monopoly left after all my collection. I had like this 2000, the, the Y2K edition, and I have this old 1935 replica from one of the original monopolies out
0: there. Oh, goodness.
3: Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice collector's ten, and I introduced it to Mason, my seven-year-old, and he he loves that game. He just wants to play it all the time, and so, so man, it's hard to like get the energy to do that with him. But you, know, <laughs> you, you just gotta do it. But I grew up on Monop like just like you, Josh. Um, Monopoly. Sorry, uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandma and grandpa Schwab have. I mean, that that's the one. I feel like that's their favorite. If I had to guess payday my mom likes payday my dad taught me stratego and that was so cool where you have your own little regiment of units and they have their own little unit abilities and you can put some bombs out there to really kind of mess with the opponent and the spy can kill the general and just fun that that was a cool concept to me a little bit more fun than chess i thought chess was really boring just what didn't didn't catch me as much as it did for you tim I wish it did, but I gotcha. You know, I I, I know. I it, that's why go for me is so hard to, to pull the trigger on. But um, oh, you
0: you just gotta you gotta I sit know. down and just throw some stones on the board, man.
3: Yeah, we'll we'll do that. I promise. We'll bring it to <laughs> one of the yes. hotel nights. We'll do that. There you um, go. But uh, yeah, we played Stratego, and um, my dad liked Risk a lot, and he was also uh, side note on a big. He, I'm pretty sure he had Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first or second edition, one of the two, because he showed me his his collection and some of the old paper maps that he drew um, with his groups and and whatnot. And that that was really cool. I I still have never really played an RPG, and that's something I still want to uh, do. And that's Tim, like your story of how you progress through the uh, this genre, this hobby is so fascinating to me because you've you've experienced all these different things, and um, I just. I like to get that information and, and and know what it's like. So, yeah, Monopoly was probably the the number one game. High school kind of dipped off of that and played golf a lot, and then college engineering degree is a lot of a lot of time in the books. Probably a little bit too much partying, but we all do that.
2: <laughs> Not all of us. And then I, I I remember <laughs>
3: in uh, at UC in Calhoun Hall on our floor. On the eighth floor, there's a group that play, that I that I didn't know the name of it till I started playing it was Catan, and they they would play it all the time, and it's like you guys we gotta go out, you know, we gotta go out like, you know, do what college kids do and get all wild and crazy, and they're they're in there playing Catan, and I was like, let's come on, let's go out, and looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have tried that. I wonder how different my life would have been if I would have played one of those games. Hmm and Magic the Gathering was popular there and I just never really touched it but got out of college and moved to Florida West Palm Beach and my 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 brother my younger brother Connor he moved in with us I want to say around 2011 or 2012 and Connor is one of those guy he's I want to explain who he is because when when he told me this I was like it just the the math doesn't add up but he, he's like one of those guys that like he's gonna go uh, in this weekend. You know he does the outdoor yard games, cornhole and flip cup, beer pong all the time, and you know that's that's his game and and whatnot. And we're at a Barnes and Noble in Florida, just walking around, just hanging out, and we're walking by the games section. And by that time, you know I'm I've, I've got a steady job and I'm kind of like interested in trying some new like getting a new hobby more or less and. Gaming was always one of my favorite things. I mean, I forgot to mention the Euchre tournaments that my grandparents put on every year that I would eventually become part of and, and play in. And Gaming has always been huge in my family, and so I, I, I kind of, like, looking back on it, just gravitated towards that and walking by the, the Barnes & Noble board game shelf, and there's a game, Catan, there, the, the fourth edition one with the Settlers on there and the Horizon and they're like kind of pointing in the distance and it looked like age of empires to me. And I'd seen it a couple of times, never picked it up. I don't know why. And then never looked at the back of the box or anything. Maybe I was too intimidated by it, but my brother was with me and I was Hey, have you seen this game before? Like this looks so like just interesting. And he, he looks at me and goes, what? You've never played Catan? like, Everybody in the world has played Catan. And I'm just like, You of all people have played this game? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So um, we ended up getting the he's like, You would you would love this game. This is all you. And I was like, Who are you? Like, wh- what is this? And so we are like, All right, fine, let's get it. So we ended up buying it and I remember reading the rules in my apartment uh with Ashley and it was just the three of us and i read the rules and i was like guys oh my god this sounds <laughs> oh my god it sounds awesome and so we played like three games that night and it was some of the best memories i've had from playing a game and it got to the point where like we're making cocktails and we have you know like a whole game night planned on the weekend and we got this Kraken rum i don't know if for anybody that enjoys that
1: you guys were obsessed with that for a little bit and I remember you guys I was in high school at the time and you guys were just sending like <laughs> pictures of you guys playing Catan and like drinking that and I'm like what the heck are you guys yeah. doing? <laughs> like, oh,
3: it was so we were we were so mean to each other when we played that game just trash talking and just like blocking and just getting a great. It was something we've never experienced in our life on the table and How interactive you can be in that game was was not present in the games that we have we were grown up on. And so just having that experience at the table just set it off for me. And I just wanted to explore more. And I stumbled upon BoardGameGeek.com. And that's when I find myself in the rabbit hole that I'm still in today. That's kind of where it all started for me.
0: Very good. Very good. My goodness. And
1: then you started a board game company. I did. And here and we here all we are. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we made so, it, guys. Clay. We made it. Yes. So, Clay, how are we going to get you some uh, some role-playing game experience here? I don't know. I, are there I don't any, know. I, are there any out there that you're more interested in than others?
3: Uh, The Witcher, uh, because I, I jumped on the video game, oh, yeah. the third one. And Jill's probably sick and tired of me talking about it, but that's <laughs> the best game of all time.
1: No. <laughs> so our our friend that is playing The Witcher, and whenever we're on Discord talking, he's always streaming it on the Discord. So I watch, and so I might. Oh, so good. The story's good. No. When I got the RPG
3: from Gen Con <laughs> in 2019, because company that sells it was releasing it, and. I think there's another expansion. I've never read the books. I just got it just for memorabilia, essentially. So who knows? But I'm down for it. I I like the fantasy stuff. Yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big. Maybe the paranoia one you were talking about sounds kind of cool. But other than that, pretty much fantasy my yeah. my jam for that kind of stuff.
2: I might be able to get access to the paranoia books yeah. if we wanted to actually try that at some point.
3: <laughs> so I would be down. That yeah. sounds cool.
1: I have a question for you. I just want to know, like, when you're playing an RPG game, do you think you would want to be like 100% serious, immersed? Or do you think you would like like to have fun a little bit and joke around type of experience? For my
3: first time, that's how I would like to go into it, is the latter. Just having fun, joking around.
1: And then you would get maybe get a little bit more serious as time goes on. Yeah, if I fell
3: into it and was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Let's get into it deep, then yeah.
1: Okay. I'm just wondering because we, as a friend group, we kind of did the opposite. We were serious at first and then we joked around and got a little bit more lighthearted and less serious. But I think that's comment on our attention spans more than <laughs> okay. anything but yeah i would like to introduce you to the world of dnd i know dad has always been into it so maybe there's something that we can figure out he, we were
3: about to start up a DD group with him before they moved to florida he was like i'll be the dm he used to actually uh i don't know if you remember our great grandma on my mom's on mom's, mom's side. I believe passed away yeah. and all of us and my, and Justin and Corey were out and uh, he would be like, okay, do you want to be a wizard or do you want to be like a warrior guy with a big shield? <laughs> and he would just tell these stories and he, like you could, you see like a house over here or you see the woods and he would walk you through this. And he's like, that's that I was doing dungeons and dragons with you guys without, you know, just, just doing it. And I was so, that was like one of my favorite things is just like him, taking us and on this adventure and just storytelling it with us. And I think he would be a lot of fun to do that with.
1: Yeah. That's really creative that way that I think he would be able to hop into that uh, real easily again, even though he hasn't done it in so many
3: years. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You, I don't think he's lost that at all.
1: We'll figure it out. You and I, we got to start the conversation.
3: (laughs) Well, very good guys. I love the history there. That's cool. I'm glad we're all here together.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, uh interesting journeys all of us. Nowhere better to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like we always do like the sentimental stuff with Josh. Like we did the who what friends did oh, you yeah. make um <laughs> during board gaming? And now we're like, oh, how did you get into board gaming? Tell us about your history. <laughs>
3: i like that josh stuck with a game for two and a half years the same well i mean obviously different riffs on it but that's awesome man that's that's a solid fun time i'm sure
2: yeah oh we i mean we were going to like three in the morning and i had to be at work at six the next morning on saturday mornings (laughs) yeah i mean i was i was 20 that was 15 years ago yeah we were (laughs) we were crazy and here's the thing There was never a drop of alcohol in my apartment. We were just like hooting and hollering like, oh, it was just such good chemistry with people. Like, it was awesome.
3: That sounds awesome.
0: So with that, let's move on to our listener question. And the question we have from Joko on Discord was, what is the importance of having a digital implementation, tabletop simulator or tabletopia of a game before going into pre-order or fundraising? And this is another one, Clay. It's got your name all over it. Oh,
3: baby. Lately, I mean, with the (laughs) pandemic, you saw how many companies just, hey, we've got the TTS mod. You can play it on tabletopia Vassal, or even now Board Game Arena, that is just blown up, and I think it's becoming a permanent thing now. Where you're seeing it with Imperial Steam that we just launched pre-orders. We've got the tabletop simulator mod there for people to play, and it's quite frankly amazing to see many plays of that game on the same day that we launched the uh, tabletop simulator mod. But yeah, I think I think it's just. It's a two-way sword. Uh, people are going to obviously be curious about the game, and this gives you more information about the game, how it plays. But it's not the same experience as playing it with people at, the, at a real table. So more about the mechanics: what what does the game do? What what kind of engine does it have under the hood? And it'll, it'll showcase that I think pretty well. For me personally, it's not a big deal. Like I don't want to play games on TTS. It's just not in my DNA i just don't enjoy it as much so i'm not personally seeking it out but as a company stance i'm trying to have at least tabletop simulator a module ready to go for our games when we're going to open pre-orders just so people know how serious we are about the game We're, we're backing it we believe in it and that's why we're doing this game so Tim Kaiser, got to give a major, major shout out to Tim Kaiser. All of the capstone games that you see out there, for the most part, at least the ones we've done pre-orders for, all of those are done by Tim Kaiser. And I remember when we first started it with, goodness, I don't even remember what game it was. It was a couple years ago. Now he's got an Imperial Steam where it's got everything scripted. There's helpful pointers on what pieces, what's the name of the piece as your mouse is hovering over it. Just a brilliant way of implementing the thing. So, Tim Kaiser, thank you so much for doing that. Greatly appreciate it. I'm sure everybody is also appreciative of that, that they're able to play
0: it. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he is definitely a, a TTS beast. I mean, he uh, converted uh, several of our Iron Rail possibilities you know all the all the games that oh, we ended right. up uh, yeah all, all of them that we ended the up prototype and, and or just the play testing yep wow. yep absolutely so yeah uh, th- that and again trying to do that last year it was a uh, it made it very convenient but you but you're right I mean f- from a daily gaming standpoint for me I, I I tend to have the same issue it just doesn't quite have the same the same feel or the same experience but, uh, but in a pinch, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty convenient.
3: Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be sticking around. It'll be interesting to see what mm-hmm. change like how that kind of propagates throughout the industry uh, in the years to come. I don't want it to be pushed too much to that side because it's a digital implementation. We play board games because they're physical components, more in the analog sphere. So I, I don't want to remove that or go away from that too much by focusing on the digital aspect of it. So uh, that's something I'm kind of paying attention to, but at the end of the day, we'll we'll try our best to have a mod out there for one of our games.
1: I think it's pretty important too. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I will take this one step further and ask, what do you guys think the importance of video playthroughs are from content creators?
3: Ooh, very good question. I'm not going to answer that right now. Because <laughs> I want to hear what your guys' comments are.
2: I have never watched one.
0: That's good to know. Okay. <laughs> You've never watched a video a video playthrough?
2: You know, I'll take that back. I think you had me watch one for BIOS, but I watched it at, like, double speed and was just, like, Lost. I learned more from sitting down and playing than than watching the the playthrough. I mean, I, and, and this is just me personally, I love sitting down with a rule book and like setting up the components myself and, and going through everything. Like I enjoy that. So I don't really look to uh, look for video playthroughs. So that, that's just me though. I'm weird. I'm weird. And I know it. So.
0: Weird, weird kinetic learners. Yeah. You. <laughs> Sounds like chills yeah. in that boat.
3: Uh-huh.
1: I guess like what I'm asking is like, would you look for a like review or video playthrough or any like content before you buy it? I guess is what I'm asking for like pre orders only. Pre
0: orders, uh, I would say it depends. I mean, that's I've, I've got a couple games that I'm uh, either backing or pre ordering, and it's nice to be able to see them at least the components and the uh mechanics and mechanisms as much as as are developed before you throw some money at it, but again that gets a little bit more important mm-hmm. as you start adding zeroes to the price as well you know, if it's a forty fifty forty fifty dollar game sixty seventy dollar game, and probably not as yeah. worried about a multiple hundred dollar game but yeah for for those i'm which are the games I've been getting mm-hmm. into lately, and it sounds like Eric has been getting into lately as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joanne. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I wonder whose fault that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I've I've been getting more into that than what I used to. I uh, used to be more. I, I, I'm I, I'm pretty I tend to absorb a lot of um, media content. I'll say. Uh, I mean, whether it be rules teaches or uh, reviews after. But I don't know that I'm, I'd use it a whole lot for my decision making, other than uh-huh. uh, maybe the last few months, actually. Josh, how do you buy a game?
4: Okay,
2: good to know.
0: Um, I
2: generally look at the rule book, and I re- I read the rule book. And there's one that I was that I backed on Kickstarter, and I just saw Eric Martin post something on BoardGameGeek about it. It's called Top Pop. And I'm like, first of all, I'm a I'm a big pop drinker, so you know I was like, all right, I'll check this out. Downloaded the rule book, read it, and I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like,
4: there you go. I have
2: not watched any videos. Like, I read through the I read through the Kickstarter page and read the rule book, and I was like, all right, I'm in. So yeah. I I have that kind of just visual. I can visualize games like that. So, and I I don't even know who the content creators are. Like I've watched. A grand total of like ten videos about board games on YouTube, so it doesn't even recommend them to me because it knows I don't watch them.
3: Like that's like uh <laughs> that correlates with how you don't like Nemesis <laughs> because you know, I mean, like you <laughs> you're able to read the rule book and just be like, okay, this is perfect. I'm good. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah. Well, cool. I think uh, I think we're in some interesting times, and I think that. Yeah. New technologies allowed us to showcase games in different ways, and we'll see what happens in the future.
1: Yeah. And I think that's our only question. Yeah. So I think this is the perfect time to wrap up this episode. So I'm going to go ahead with <inaudible> our
0: <inaudible> end of <inaudible> episode spiel. <inaudible> <inaudible> So it's SpongeBob
1: music—it's
3: <laughs> happening in to? the background.
1: I can feel it. So here we go. <laughs> the jellyfish music has to be in the background of this, Alex. <laughs> and if it isn't, then I quit. All right, guys. Use the hashtag #AskCapstone if you want us to answer any of your hot questions. Um, you can use that on Twitter or by using our Ask Capstone channel. Any of these questions could range from industry questions to game preferences, all the way to personal day-to-day questions. Like, what did Tim eat for lunch today? Make sure to jump in our bi-weekly online game nights on Discord. I don't think those are happening right now, but they might in the future. We're kind of like looking into streaming, so keep an eye out for that. I think we have some cool things planned for that in the future. So join us next time when we will discuss Gen Con Origins Prep. Kind of crazy to think about how the next episode is going to be recorded around Gen Con time. So time's moving pretty fast. And we'll also be talking about the life cycle of a game. So with that being that was said, goodbye, Ten- everybody. Gen
3: Con, that reminds me of Time yep. of Crisis. I don't know why. I feel like we played yep. that. It's just like... That's, that's Gen Con to me. So
0: oh, Gen Con is Time of Crisis. No, I, I get that. I but get that. Both. It's the game
3: and it's a Time of Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Super meta.
0: Now, do you, you want to know what what we were talking about? What we were talking about earlier that made me think of Time of Crisis was oath, because it sounded like we, we they have the emperor and then everyone else has to kind of gang up on him and take yes. him down, oh. just so someone else takes over the as the emperor.
3: When you guys figure that game out, let me know. I'm down.